Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Numbers chapter number 12. Numbers chapter number 12. And uh, if you don't have an open Bible before you, I want to encourage you to do so uh, because I'm going to do something I don't ordinarily do and that is flip around through the Scriptures. And there's several reasons why I don't do that typically. Uh, you know, I, I hear some preachers preach and they'll give you 25 to 30 Scriptures in that one message. But in my mind, in the, my way of thinking, as feeble as it is, the average Christian that walks through our doors doesn't have the mind to be able to take in all of those scriptures and let them sink in. And therefore, from me, on my, from my standpoint, I try to stick with three, four scriptures at most. And I take those scriptures and I really try to take that, that verse two or two or three and work with those so that you can walk away from that service uh, not with a quantity of, of verses, but it's the quality that you receive in that little amount of time that we have together. But today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you more verses than I normally would. And then we're going to go back to the book of Numbers because I want to show you what God is doing in the life of Moses through the thought that God has given me. I'm going to try to preach this morning on a lesson in humility or a thought bearing in mind like this, the inability to be humble. The inability to be humble. If you really think about it, humility is a gift that God gives us. It's not practiced much anymore in Christian circles or in churches. I'd be willing to bet that some of you have probably come this close just this week, either on Facebook or uh, social media or even gotten somebody's face, and instead of being humble, you were forceful. And I want to challenge you this morning to go with me to the Word of God. Let's see what God says about this awesome spirit of humility. Turn with me. Hold your place in numbers, but turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 16. I want you to, to flip quickly with me. We're going to have some Bible drills like we do on Wednesday nights with our young people. We have the time of our life. You know, I almost got beaten a Bible drill by Hunter this week. I mean, Hunter almost beat me in a Bible drill downstairs, and I thank God for that. But... Uh, it's good for you to be flipping through the Word of God and finding Scripture. Proverbs 16 and 19, I'm going to read a portion of that verse. The Bible, what does it say? This is what God wants you to know about humility. He says, better it is to be of a humble spirit. I'm going to stop reading with that. There's more to that verse. But God said, it's better for you to be of a humble spirit. Let's flip back a book to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 9, verse number 12, at the bottom part of that uh, verse in chapter 9, verse 12. What does the Bible say in Psalms 9 and 12? He forgetteth not the cry 
of the humble. Do you have a need in God? When you pray, I want you to ask yourselves, do I get humble enough to really pray? The Bible says, He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. And I don't care what need you have or what you think you need in the Lord. The Lord will not answer your prayer if you don't get humble. In fact, the practice of every child of God ought to be to get on your knees when you pray. If you can, can possibly get down to pray, pray on your knees. That's showing God that you're humbling yourself. In fact, I love uh, what a preacher told me the other day as we were eating together. Uh, he said, we don't put our hands up because we're proud of ourselves in the choir or when something is going on in the church that we feel like is worthy. We don't lift our hands up so that others see us. We lift our hands up because we're in an act of submission to God. And we're saying, God, hear my cry. I worship you today and I'm raising my hands in submission to you. And if we do not practice that in the right spirit, the Lord cannot hear us. So let's move to another place. And I love the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 34, verse number 2. You can flip there really quickly. Catch up with me if you can. And the Bible says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. So there God's showing us that when we get humble, He's going to hear our prayer and our lives and our prayer life. And I ask again, when was the last time that you humbled yourself before the Lord? Now I'm going to go to this one. This, let's flip over to the book of Isaiah chapter number 57. I love this verse of Scripture because it shows us a little bit about God and who He is and what He's doing and what He's thinking about us as His people. Now, verse number 15, God is speaking himself. And he says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. There's the word. He's dwelling together with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. And I love what he says here. He says, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God is telling us in this verse that when we're humble, he's with us and he'll revive us with whatever need we have. Circle that verse if you're in the habit of circling verses and go back and revisit this when you go home and see if God doesn't have a blessing for you. Uh, I, you don't have to turn to these places. In the book of Philippians, the Bible says, chapter 2, verse number 8, speaking of Christ, he says, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Christ gave us the example of humility in his sacrificial death. 1 Peter chapter number 3 verse 5 says this, or excuse me, chapter 5 verse 5, God giveth grace to the humble. And I love the scriptures. And you know what I see in this study, in this lesson about humility? 
God repetitively says throughout His Word that He wants you and He wants me to practice humility in our lives. But we're not seeing that in our generation that's being raised up before us. No, humility is not something that is practiced. If somebody says something wrong to you and you know they're in error or they're in sin, in most cases the first thing that people want to do is to snap back. But I want to tell you this morning, according to what I see in the Word of God, that God's way is better. God's way is better. And if we're going to be right with each other and be right with God, we must practice this Bible word of humility or being humble. Now, let's go back to the place in Numbers where we're going to see an encounter with three people, uh, three people on the earth, but then the fourth person comes into play, and that's God, as he gets the final say-so over two people who had forgotten what it was to be humble. Moses and his two siblings, Miriam and Aaron, I want to read the first three verses, and I want you to read along with me and notice what's going on. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know this now, and he says, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So I want you to picture in your mind the conflict that's here at hand. Miriam and Aaron are upset because Moses had married somebody who was an Ethiopian. And they were in a conflict with this, and because of it, uh, they were backbiting, they were talking against the man of God, and now uh, there was a, a, a door of opportunity open for the enemy to come in and not only get an advantage of Aaron and Miriam, but also to take advantage of Moses, the man of God. Now let's see what takes place now in this next verse. And they said, this is what they're saying, and they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Every word that you say, Listen to me, church. Everything that you say, God hears. Every action that you, what you say out of church, what you say about your brother out of church or in church, God hears it. I told my Sunday school class or my Wednesday night class this, and I, and I want you to understand it as well. Do you know that God knows everything? I know that that may seem, uh, that may blow your mind. But God knows everything. The thoughts that you have right now, God knows what you're thinking. The motive behind what you do, every single day, God knows. Every thought, every deed, every action, God knows. And I want to say to God in heaven how thankful I am that he does know. Because if he didn't know what we were doing, we could push the boundaries a bit further. But I'm going to tell you, there's nobody in this church today that's going to get an advantage on God. The Bible says that the Lord heard it. In verse number 3, Now the man Moses was very meek. That word meek is another word of saying that he was humble. He was a pattern for us to follow. He was meek. Uh, 
uh, as he led the people of God through this 40-year time of wilderness. I want to stop right here and preach just a minute about Moses' life. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he was in the palaces of Egypt with a sword on his side leading a great vast number of people. The next 40 years of Moses' life, he didn't have a sword on his side and he was not leading a great number of people, but he was out in the wilderness with his hands on a shepherd's staff learning what it was to be humble and patient. He was out learning from God where nobody was watching how to be humble. You may say in your heart, but preacher, you don't know what people are saying about me. You don't understand how I feel. You don't understand uh, that I've got to have a rebuttal for everything that comes my way. And I'm convinced that most Baptists think that they have been called to argue more than they have been called to humility. Arguing comes easy. And I see it even in your children when they walk upstairs from Sunday school and they look back at their mom or their dad and they say, no, daddy, no, mama. When, when, when we know that children are, are, have that nature in them just like mine do and everybody in this church, but it's easier for us to argue than it is to, to just be submissive and be meek like Moses. I love to study about Moses' ministry because I see, not that I'm Moses in any way, but I see myself, uh, the things that I'm failing in and things that I'm uh, lacking in in my own life. And I think to myself, God make me more like Moses to be a meek man. And how many times did the children of Israel come to Moses with conflict after conflict and he still went to God on their behalf and he humbled himself and he prayed that God would not do what God wanted to do and God heard his prayer. I'm telling you this morning, church, it pays to be humble and to be of a meek countenance. And then let me, let me read just a little bit more than I'm going to try to get into the thoughts that God has given me. The Bible says, uh, and all the men, uh, he was meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Verse 4, and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, you three, under the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. What a meeting's fixing to take place in chapter number 12 of the book of Numbers. Humility. Verse number 1, I want you to look and see the foolishness that I see between Miriam and Aaron. You know, it's often been said, it's often been said that... Uh, uh, Everybody's crazy but us. That's what people say a lot of the times. They'll talk about everybody everywhere else. Everybody's family's crazy but us. And it's easy to say that. I'm going to tell you, Miriam, Miriam and Aaron had started thinking thoughts that had, should never entered into their minds. Moses had been put in a place and in a position to lead a great number of people. And although Moses' his siblings had done a great work and God did use them in times past, they were intruding in foolishness to put themselves in a position where that God had not called them to be. And to intrude into those places is a very dangerous, dangerous place. For it'd be like this. Somebody that's in our church today that might be a good speaker has charisma about them and they are able to speak well and talk well, but God has not called them to preach. And they get up in the pulpit 
and try to carry out in that office. Church, I want to say this morning that if God has not called you in the position of ministry to preach or even be a Bible teacher, don't go there. Don't go there. Stay in your spot and be in your place. And the foolishness in their minds. Listen, friend, we're going down a, a, a rough pathway in life when we start to lift ourselves up in pride. And that's what Moses' siblings did. They began to see themselves as bigger than what they were. And that's a very dangerous place to be in. And church, there's nobody here this morning any better than the next person sitting next to you. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if you live in a mansion or you live in a cardboard box this morning. I'm glad at the foot of the cross it's all equal ground, praise the Lord. But there are some that God puts in a position or a calling to go do certain things that other people are not called to do. And Miriam and Aaron were pushing the limits with God and thereby their heart was getting harder when they began to think thoughts like this. I can do what Moses is doing. I can lead the children of it. Why doesn't God let me lead in the parade and listen everybody wants to be in the parade uh, but listen sometimes people want to be in the front of the parade where they can be seen heard and experienced in life but listen it's not for everybody to be in the front of the parade their foolishness was a downward journey and a great lesson of humility for somebody to put themselves in that place and position that Moses' siblings did was great foolishness, and it's also a folly. I see in verse number two that their pride of intrusion uh, into the office where Moses was at was against God. Now, I've got a lot of people that I, and I hate to even put it to you this way, but if some people get against me, and I want everybody to love me, but if some people get against me and they're offended by the stances that I take scripturally and biblically, and if somebody gets offended at me because I believe that, uh, uh, I believe that you ought to pray and be right with God, if you get offended in that, I can't help it. I'm not here uh, to pat everybody on the back and to tell you how good you are all the time uh, because at the end of the day, there's none good, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Moses' siblings had now come to the place where they had seen an invitation of the devil to go to places that they had no need of going. Their pride of intrusion to this office was going to bring them low. And church, I want to say this as a warning. We're witnessing today in our country a great, a great revival a great revival of pride. Both parties, Republican, Democrat, it does not matter. Every single one of them are lifting themselves up in pride of who's going to be seen and heard. Who's got more power? And I want to call our nation back to its knees, back on humility, whether they get to God and say, it's not in the candidate, it's not in the party, it's not in this group or that group. If we don't get back to God and get humble, then there's not going to be a country left. Amen. There's not going to be a country left. There's an intrusion into holy things. And uh, you're going to find this surprising, but I've talked more men out of preaching than I have into preaching. Every once in a while, there'll be somebody come to me and they'll say, Preacher, God's called me to preach. And I say, Sure enough. I said, you, you think God's called you to preach? How do you know that? 
He said, well, sometimes I see myself up standing in the pulpit. I said, you better run as fast as you can. I say, when God gets a hold of somebody and there's a call in that man's life to preach the word of God, you're not going to have to tell your neighbor. You're not going to have to tell your friend. God will put that call on you so hard that you're not going to care if the pastor knows about it or anything. You're going to preach because God has called you to preach. Amen. Moses and Aaron were, Aaron were intruding, intruding in the holy things. And uh, thereby they couldn't be humble. Verse number 3, I love that Moses' meekness is what God noticed. His meekness is what put him in the position that he was in. I want to say to you all and to God this morning, God help me that I could be meek like Moses. To be humble. I thought uh, this morning about many different places of scripture to go to and I thought I might go to John chapter number 13 and I thought I might go to uh, the book of Matthew and Mark and talk about some of the things that I see in Christ's life and His humility. Never let it be said that our Savior was not a humble Savior. In fact, one of the disciples wrote at the end of the Gospels and said that He was such a humble man in His life that the books couldn't be written that could contain everything that the Savior did. But Jesus proved Himself in humility even like Philippians said that he became obedient even unto death and the death of the cross. I will say that Jesus was a meek Savior. Amen. But don't you remember in John chapter number 13 when our Savior uh, was at the Passover meal and the supper had been set before these great men and just a few days before this they were arguing? There was a, a, a spirit of division among them. Now listen to me. This church, every church, is one sermon away from being divided. You say, preacher, it can't happen here. You mark my words down. If we don't keep our guard up and we don't stay in our place and not intrude in places we don't have any business being, then this church can divide and split just like any other church can. And I'm going to tell you the only way that we can stay right with God is we've got to be humble. We've got to be humble. Jesus had brought these disciples together. I'm going to show you how our Savior worked in meekness. In John chapter number 13, we see our Savior. And I'm going to step down here and say this because I can just see the table spread right here. Jesus comes into the room and these men are sitting there together and they're, they're eating a meal and they're arguing. The disciples, the apostles, these men that's going to bring the church into the day of grace. And they're arguing on a, on a, on a thought and a topic like this. Who's going to be the greatest? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? And I can see Peter sitting at that table and his chest pooched out. He's a man of great influence and integrity. And Peter not saying nothing because he's wise. He knows, he knows how to move people. And he's sitting there in the midst of those men. And he's just waiting for his name to come up. Jesus doesn't even say anything against him. In his pride, he lets him go. And the other disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, and they're looking. But I'm the one that did this when we went out and ministered. They're saying, look at me. This is what I did. Ministry is never about the man. Amen. 
It's always about him. I don't care if you're a part of the breaking bread ministry. I don't care if you're a deacon or you teach Sunday school. It does not matter what office you hold in this church. Collectively, corporately, our job is to lift Jesus up. It's not even about me. It's not about what I am or the position that I hold. It's all about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, as a church, we must seek together to lift up Jesus Christ. Jesus does something a few days after that time of conflict that I love so much about the Savior. And I came this close to, and I just ran out of time, to going to get uh, these tools that we have used in our church through the years. And in fact, we hadn't practiced this since Roger has been in heaven, but we used to have a foot washing service here twice a year. Somebody said, well, that scares me. Well, wash your feet. But you, we'd get together and, man, we'd have some special times together. There wouldn't be many people here, but you know how Jesus settles disputes and church troubles? Listen to me. I'm going to teach you something right here. There are going to be some things come up in this church in the days ahead where if you don't practice humility, you're going to make the other person be offended and mad, and then you're going to put chain around your brother. And then that chain's going to be around your brother, and they're going to come into church sold up and mad and say, did you hear what so-and-so said about me? And then that chain of influence is going to go on somebody else as they vent about what somebody said that didn't, didn't even make sense to begin with. And before you know it, people are bound down to the point where the preacher, poor old preacher gets in the pulpit and he don't even know what's going on. Jesus said when supper being ended, he took a towel and girded it around his waist. These men that were so troubled of who was going to be the greatest. Brother Henry, he took that towel girded around his waist and he went to all of these men all 12 of them that were so great except for one he went to each one of them and Jesus gave us the greatest lesson in humility that any man could ever give as he got down before these men on his knees and he just washed their feet you know what you should be practicing in humility is becoming a foot washer every single... And it wasn't, it wasn't that Christ was doing any good washing the dirt off their feet because the dirt was going to come right back. It was the spiritual significance of it that Christ wanted His church to know and realize in days to come that when He was gone, that, he, that these men needed to see what it was to love, uh, to, to love the church and to each other and to wash somebody else's feet. These men were were prideful, they were arrogant, they wanted what they wanted, just like everybody in this church. And Jesus says, but this is how you do it. You get down and wash one another's feet. As a husband, when was the last time that you washed your wife's feet? Spiritually speaking. I'm talking about you did something... I mean, you did it because the Holy Spirit was leading you and you want to know how to settle every argument in your home? It's not going to be going and locking yourself in a room and saying, uh, I'm done, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see, I want to go away. That's not how you fix family problems. You get humble. You get humble. I began to ask myself these questions. 
when was the last time I really got humble? And I can honestly stand up here and say this. The absolute humblest time in my life, I got two of them, I'm going to share them with you today. The first one was, was when I got saved. And when you realize that you're in the wrong and that you have sinned against God and there's no way that you can make it right, it will humble you and the Holy Spirit drawing you to God and through the power of conviction. You're humble and you see, you see no way out but God. It will humble you. And by the way, you're not going to be ashamed to cry when the Holy Spirit is leading you in salvation. And I think our tears is what's missing. And it's proof that we're not humble anymore as Christians in our churches. It's hard for people to cry these days. And the second most humbling experience of my life was on that day when all four of my children were born. Somebody said, well, preacher, you should have been rejoicing. And I was so happy, so happy. But when, when it was all finished, and there, and there Brother Tim, is my, my precious wife who had gone down to the valley of the shadow of death to bring these children into the world. And the doctor hands the baby into our arms, and I'm realizing the responsibility that has been given to me as a parent, not only to, to clothe, to nurture, and to, and to give food, and to make sure that they've got shelter and all of these things, boy, it humbled me. It humbled me. And if you can't get humble as a parent, then you're probably, probably not doing your job. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. It's 8.30 in